Hello and welcome to another episode of Force Proximity. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Megan. And this week we have a book episode. The book is called Stuffed by Jessica Gadziala. I knew the author this time. Yeah. Because I thought to ask. And I wrote it down, but I couldn't pronounce the name. It's because I spelled it wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not certain of the pronunciation, but that's how I would pronounce it. Uh, I've never heard that name. Phonetically, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And there's no, I was looking for something online that had the, like how you read it mm -hmm. and I couldn't find it. So Jessica, if you're listening, <laughs> which you're probably not, just go ahead and uh, drop us a line and tell us how to pronounce your name and give us a five star. It's Smith. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Should I read the synopsis first? You want to get into trivia first? No, no, no. Let's get into what we've been doing this week. What have we been doing this week? Well, I have been working. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's about it. Nothing? I mean... Do you have any, like, new interests or... <sighs> well, um... since I'm, I've been so caught up on reading for the show, mm -hmm. I've, I'm finally getting to read a Jack Reacher novel, which, okay. is, which is fun. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, we're we're heading back to remote learning in Illinois, so I'm gearing up for that. <clears throat> Which Eventually. Should give... Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, it should give me more time to focus on hobbies and like maybe get the podcast a, a little better. I don't know. I, I just yeah. don't, I don't have the talent to make it better for the knowledge. <laughs> But you might have the time to acquire the knowledge. Currently. That's true. That's true. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. Um. Yeah. Not. Not much going on this week for me. What about you? Uh, I have a ton of work. <laughs> you went from your your job being Hank's teacher and mom. Yeah. To what? Starting, I know what it is. I want you to tell everybody what it is. Starting my own business and working Yay. at least part-time. Yeah. The American dream. Starting <laughs> your own business. Yeah, it wasn't my dream. Are you hiring? Can I work for you? Yeah. <laughs> you can build my... You can freelance for me for free. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, my writing business is taking off, and mm -hmm. and our production our production company. Hey, maybe one day. Yeah, <laughs> our publication company is like gaining ground. So we are. Well, I'm working towards that, um, doing some editing projects, and. I I think it's so amazing. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. It's uh yeah, it's a lot to deal with because I like a lot of downtime and it, you I don't do. have very much you do. anymore, and I'm coming to terms with that, and I'm not coming to terms with that very easily. <laughs> so, well, you know what? I've I <clears throat> I am ready to make dinners and uh, clean more things around the house. Maybe this time in remote learning, mm -hmm. I can learn how to clean better. Ah. Uh. Okay. 
I do have a system for cleaning that I think is easily teachable. Okay, well, so, we can go over that. Okay. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the backsplash tiles in the kitchen after years of not having one. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I can do it. I know I can do it. I think I think you can do it too. I just didn't want to do it by myself, which is what was gonna have to happen before. Yeah. Well. Now I'll probably end up doing it by myself because you'll be running your empire. <laughs> Okay, well, um, on top of that, this was our big time Thanksgiving week because we read a Thanksgiving romance, and I am also reading, it's Native American Heritage Month, which doesn't coincide with, you know, white people Thanksgiving very easily. It's, I, so I'm f now finding ways to reconcile it, <laughs> and... I found a really great link from the Smithsonian. I'm so I'm reading There There by Tommy Orange and it is it's amazing so far. I just started it last night and I I'm a slow reader so I'm not very far into it. Um Yeah, you're telling me about that. It's gruesome. It, yeah. Uh which is you know, the history of how we treated Indians in this country. Mhm. Mm and um, so, but the native, uh, the, the Smithsonian Institute, the Smithsonian Native uh, Museum of the American Indian. There you go. I, I think, I never get the name right. I don't know why. Um, it's one of my favorite places, my favorite museums. I liked the food there. <laughs> they got a, a In bison. In the midst of Tom Cafe. A bison burger. Their cafe is like rated extremely highly um for their cuisine for one thing because it tastes amazing um and their um their commitment to using authenticity not just authenticity not authenticity for the sake of authenticity but their head chef creates cuisines from four different quadrants of this country based on the native groups that that lived there uh -huh. pre-colonization so you have a lot of like cranberry and i don't know bird food in uh the the northeast and you have whatever's native to the south and in <laughs> the southwest you have a lot of corn and you know the three sisters that um, the South, what I would imagine, and would there's be... a lot of in the Pacific Northwest, like <clears throat> lots of salmon and wild rice. And... Yeah, I imagine the South would be a lot of deer, uh, <clears throat> crawfish, shrimp. Well, I don't know what they serve at the B Mitsutom Cafe. Oh, though. yeah, alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but I I know their menu is varied and it's and it's seasonal. And it's also regional. So it's really, it's fascinating that you can go to the museum and have this totally immersive, sensual experience walking around the museum and learn so much about different... Um, nations. First Nations cultures. <clears throat> Do we call them First Nations? No, I thought but that Canada, was Canada does, and I love that term, so <laughs> I'm just bringing it down south. Um and and then you can go and eat in the cafe and like have that sense too so i i just love it and they also have a commitment to 
using uh like establishing reestablishing food sovereignty which is a term i just learned about today which is the idea that a people can provide their own food based on their own cultural heritage so and they so what that means is it, like that's very important to um native communities today that they provide their own food based on like pre-colonization diets so that's really cool and so the midst of tom cafe um tries to source as much of their bulk foods from tribes and nations okay and and indigenous growers that's great it is really cool and yeah so we are having book club about the there there book by tommy orange we're hosting next thursday and i found a source for uh wild rice from the red lake tribe in minnesota that you can order from amazon so we are having great a mitzitam uh wild rice salad and i'm buying the wild rice from the red lakes tribe so that's really cool and you can make that for thanksgiving that's really cool so i have this big resource for teaching your kids the the real the real way to teach your kids about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was is not a thing we learned. Um, and we're not going to get into all that because this is our our white man's Thanksgiving episode. And well, that's fine, too, because Thanksgiving nowadays really just means like to get together with your family. And speaking of which, yeah. this past week was our anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> our nine-year anniversary. Yes. And at our wedding was... <clears throat> November 12th. 12th in 2011. But for our food, we had Thanksgiving dinner. Yep. Because it's in November. And the only time ev- pretty much every single person in our family, on my mm-hmm. side and your side, was going to be in the same room at the same time. Yeah. So we had a huge Thanksgiving dinner. We didn't yeah. have a wedding cake. We had pies. Yeah. Because I don't like cake. Megan doesn't really like cake. I don't like cake. And I used to make wedding cakes for a living. And I knew that... I wasn't, I didn't want to spend thousands of dollars for a crappy wedding cake. This cake is so dry and gross. Yeah, and I much prefer pie with ice cream, a la mode. So that's what we had. It was fun. Yeah. And I I don't really go back and look at our pictures for our wedding because. I did because I posted some on social media. And that was really like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. I was going to say when I went to go look to post something. It was like mm-hmm. a trip down memory lane. It was it was a fun, uh, maybe not for you, but I had a good time. At the wedding? Yeah. Um, I had a whirlwind of a time. It went so fast. A whirlwind. I couldn't focus on anything. It, yeah. And I guess I had a good time. I remember I didn't really get to talk to anybody. No. We didn't, we didn't have a receiving line. Because mm-hmm. we were going to go table to table and talk to people. And our first stop was my old neighbor, Jerry, who should not have been the first stop. <laughs> Sweet guy. Uh, he talked to us for about 20 minutes and then it was, was time for talker. the first dance or yeah. whatever it was. But no one, you know, no one cared. Yeah. Because everyone had such a good. If you didn't, if you didn't have a good time, everyone else had a good time. Yeah. 
everyone loved our wedding. I'm sure I had a good time. It's just I was like, it, yeah, it's hard to have a lot of eyeballs on me. Yeah, it's so not was, your not your thing. No, but I knew I had to give a good performance. So, and I, as far as everybody else knows, I had a great time. Well, in our our dance, mm-hmm. people thought we choreographed it, and we didn't. We're just that good. We definitely didn't. And it was something that I kind of wanted to, but it got away from me, and then I broke my foot. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You broke your foot. And I should have been in a cast for the wedding, and I just took it off. (laughs) Because I was in a walking boot, but my foot was broken, and And so I had to wear Tom's for my wedding shoes. Well, and you still dance really well. People (laughs) thought we choreographed that dance. Well, thank you. It was a fast dance, too. It was. So I like that. What song was it? Hallelujah, I Just Love Her So yeah. by Ray Charles. Yeah. I I know the song. I just can't. I don't know the name of it. Yeah, I think that's the name. It might just be called Hallelujah, but I think it's called Hallelujah and then I Just Love Her So is in parentheses. Yeah. It's one well, of those alternative title songs. Everyone knows it. All right, you do have a trivia for me today. I have. Kind of. Yeah, I have. kind of uh, trivia. I have a quiz. A quiz. I like quizzes. I have a pop quiz for pop you. Pop quiz. And it's about Thanksgiving. Sure. So I'll I'll just answer. I'll ask a couple of questions from okay. this because it's long, but it's fascinating. Why is football a Thanksgiving tradition? Why is fo- I don't know. You don't. Why is football a Thanksgiving tradition? Like, why do the Cowboys and Lions always play on Thanksgiving? Um, well, it's more teams now. But. I, I think it's just the idea of football is associated with Thanksgiving. Because, you know, in the book, they play football. And they it's do. a tradition that they go down to the local... Soccer field. Yeah, and, and all their, their... Which I have yeah. notes on that. I'm sure. <laughs> well, not on the football part. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay, so it says, uh, the winning combo of football and Thanksgiving kicked off way before there was anything called the NFL. The first Thanksgiving football game was a college match between Yale and Princeton in 1876, only 13 years after Lincoln made Thanksgiving a national holiday. Soon after, Thanksgiving was picked up for the date of the college, was picked for the date of the college football championships. Mm. By the 1890s, thousands of college and high school football rivalries were played every Thanksgiving. I figured it had something to do with uh, college football because that's that's the big rivalry week. That's when we always play Florida. Oh, really? Yeah, it's except for this year because okay. of COVID. But we always play Florida the Saturday after Thanksgiving mm. every single year. Uh, Texas used to always play Texas A&M, mm-hmm. but Texas A&M went to the SEC, so I don't know what they do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably play Texas Tech or something. Mm. Um, Alabama is the Iron Bowl. Alabama versus Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I didn't know all those big Georgia versus were... Georgia Tech. Clemson versus South Carolina. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how do you choose what game to watch? What do you mean? I mean, all those big games are on one day. You watch yours. Oh. I mean, you don't need to watch Clemson versus South Carolina because Clemson could score 100 points if they wanted to. (laughs) Like, you watch yours, you watch the Iron Bowl, and you watch Michigan and Ohio State. Mm Mm-hmm. 
if you're out west, you might want to watch UCLA and USC. No, they they play before that. I don't know who USC plays that day. They could play Notre Dame, but I don't think they play this year. Oregon always plays Oregon State. You don't need to watch that one. Washington plays Washington State. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss plays Mississippi State. It it's it's just rivalry weekend. You watch yours, you watch Michigan, Ohio State, and you watch the Iron Bowl. Hmm. Me, well, you. That's what I like to watch. Yeah. On Thanksgiving, I like to watch the dog show well, and the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's – the college football games are Saturday. Oh, yeah. And sometimes some of them are on Friday to spread it out. Okay. Like the Pac-10, Pac-12, like the USC and Oregon's, they'll usually play on Friday. Oh. Because no one cares because about Because their games them. would be too late anyway? Yeah. And generally from the Midwest to East, they don't care. Oh. <laughs> okay. Unless it has something to do with the national title implications, but they usually don't because Pac-12 sucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I don't know who's in the Pac-12. It's That's all, okay. It's okay. all the Pacific yeah. o- Ocean teams. Yeah. All right, you got another question? How long has pumpkin pie been a traditional part of Thanksgiving? 150 years. Mm, longer than that? 350 years. <laughs> I'm trying to do the math, and I just can't. What? Since what years. year? Yeah, pretty much 350 years. Really? Yeah. Pumpkin pie was a staple on New England Thanksgiving tables as far back as the turn of the 18th century. Okay. That's the 1700s. All right. Uh, legend has it that the Connecticut town of Colchester postponed its Thanksgiving feast for a week in 1705 due to a molasses shortage. There could simply be no Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie. <sighs> I disagree. <laughs> I don't like pumpkin pie. Um, I'm not a huge fan either, but I like to make it. And yeah. I, I love incorporating pumpkin somehow. I, I like apple pie. Yeah. I don't like sweet potato pie either. Like that whole, that whole war between which one is better. They both suck. <laughs> uh, I, I think both are fine. I don't like cold food though. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I like my oatmeal pecan pie that I make. That's my favorite. I like apple pie with strawberry ice cream. <laughs> All mode, but I but you want the apple pie heated. Yeah, and the ice cream on the side. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what that is, listen to last week's episode. <laughs> Do you have another question? I have one more question. Sure. Which president refused to recognize Thanksgiving? Ooh. Which president refused to recognize? Uh, is it very past, more recent? It's very past, and it surprised <sighs> me, but it made me proud. Thomas Jefferson. Yes. He was famously the only founding father and early president who refused to glare days of Thanksgiving and fasting in the United States. Why? Unlike his political rivals, the Federalists, Alexander Hamilton, Mm -hmm. Jefferson believed in a wall of separation between church and state and believed that endorsing such celebrations as president would amount to a state-sponsored religious worship. That is a little too anal. (laughs) 
Well, that, that's Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. For you. I like it. That's a little too anal. I like it. Yeah. Well. Anyway. <laughs> Let's get into the book. Yes. I wrote a synopsis. Yay. So I'm going to read it and you tell me how close I am to having a good synopsis. Okay. All right. Heroin. Callie returns home for Thanksgiving for the first time in six years. Every year, there is a different work reason she could not make the trek from her new home in Washington, D.C. to her hometown in Massachusetts. This year, however, her work is in financial trouble, and they gave everyone a long weekend to save money. (laughs) When she arrives home, she's in for a whirlwind (laughs) of a meddling mother, a mean girl cousin, and an old crush Adam who is staying at her parents' house for the holiday. Oh, Callie and Adam waste no time hooking up the romance. (laughs) In the end, Callie must choose between her independent, comfortable, and underachieving life in D.C. (laughs) or go for it with the man of her dreams back home. This dual point of view book was fluffy, funny, and fun to read. Mm -hmm. I like it. Did I nail it? Yeah, you need to put that review up on Amazon. Okay. Is she an indie author? Yeah. I will then. Yeah. I type it. I wrote it by hand. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that. I mean, it was succinct and it hits the point. Like, it, it really, like, it lets you know what the book's going to be about. So it gives the reader something to, I, I think... Book reviews more than movie reviews. It, it tends. You, I don't know. Book book readers don't want to get invested in in a in a book unless a they really story. like the story. Yeah. So where like I'm not like that. Like I want to be invested in the writing, and it's great if the story connects, but I don't really need it to, as long as the writing's good. So. Yeah, I like right. that synopsis. So I have a few points in the book. I want—I don't want to go over the whole book, but I do want to kind of. <laughs> well, we have to go like we sort have of to chronologically talk, Yeah, anyway. we have to talk about it. Yeah. All right. So I want to go the first time Callie and Adam. We, should we talk about Callie's character a little bit? <clears throat> Callie. Yeah, we can. Let's introduce our, our cast. Okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Callie is... You can do that. Okay, Callie is uh, the geek of all geeks. Uh, self-proclaimed. She... Which probably means she isn't. Uh, I think every... Geeks like her tend to really love their geekness. So they think that they're so... so like, so obscure and so... So far out there in geek land that nobody can possibly, like... Be attracted to them. Yeah. And they're just so different from the rest of basic society that just because they love Doctor Who... Nah, I don't really buy it. Not buying it. But she does. And she's very... That's what she identifies as. She's basically a geek bookstagrammer brand. Okay. So this is the character of Callie. She's she's a brand. And everything about her is a brand. She's not like 
I mean, it's a very short novel, and I don't think it's it's bad that she's a brand, but mm-hmm. she's yeah, she's a little bit one dimensional. Yeah. Um, well, her she's going home. She's on her way home with her bags of potato chips <laughs> <laughs> because she has a health nut as a mom. She has a health nut of a mom, and she her she has a problem with anxiety, and her Xanax is potato chips. Mm-hmm. So she. And I guess she's gained some weight even because of it. Not too much weight because she's still gorgeous. But, um, yeah, she's, uh, I guess she has some, put on some extra padding for the cold season, as she says. So she's in her, uh, she's in the airport with her giant sweater and her leggings. And she her hair's a mess because she's, you know, delightfully geeky cute. And, um, yeah. So that's basically her. Yeah. She, well, she's a graphic designer. I want to say, Mm-hmm. you don't really know that until halfway. Through yeah. The book. And Adam, can we, this inter- can we introduce Adam? She, she goes home and, and the first thing she sees when she walks in her kitchen Straight ahead, sitting on the kitchen island or whatever, is sitting on the island. Yeah, I think he's sitting on the island. Yeah, that's uncalled for. Well, I think there's a lot of people in the kitchen, and I think maybe it's her brother that's sitting on the island. That would make more sense. I don't think a guest would do that. Adam is not really a guest. No, he's he's he Corey is... is her brother. It's his best friend, and they grew up like. He grew up in that house. Yes, because his parents both died when yeah. he went away to college. So after college, his Corey's parents invited him home for every holiday. Everything, yeah. And she's had a crush on this Adam for a long for... time, like as long as as long as she she could have crushes. Yes. Basically, she's been pining over him for her entire life. Yes, since she's. Since high school, and then it's been six years since she graduated high school. So yeah. at least ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sees Adam, and Adam hops up and... And, that, and this is my first point. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time they meet, not ever, but in the book. Okay. So, where were you going? Oh, I wasn't really going anywhere. I was just... Okay, so they meet up. They're they're talking. They're chit chatting. She's putting her stuff in the in her room, and he's he comes and talks to her. He's very much flirting in the room. Yeah. Okay. Because he you know he sits on her bed. He's jabbing at her a little bit. Yeah. He's flirting. That's flirting. Yeah. And he's staying in the room right next to her in a pull-out couch. Yeah, she has she has the whole attic, I think, to herself. So she has I'm, a sitting... I'm picturing your sister's old room mm-mm. that has a sitting area. I'm pick No, because he's in a different room. He's not in the same room as her. I'm picturing that she's in one of the, like, old Massachusetts house that has, like, the lookout tower things. Mm-hmm. And that's her room. Mm-hmm. 
And then his room is like maybe right below it or something. Okay. Like she'll have to pass him to get to her room. Yeah. Something like that. And the house that they described sounds like a house you want to live in in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, I think her house is in, like, I think it's more of a McMansion, her parents' house. I think so. Okay. His house wasn't. His house is a Queen Anne Victorian. What does that mean? I actually put question marks. I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. A Queen Anne Victorian. Okay. There's, it's one of those very ornate wooden houses. They were built in the 18... 1800s 70s late 1800s yeah Yeah. um they have lots of crap all over them they've got round bay windows sticking out they're not square boxes no there's it's like if somebody took a square and then around every corner they added a turret or um a turret uh, not a, a um i forgot what they're called I used to be so good at historical architectural features. Um, one of those, like, a round bump out. And there's bay windows sticking out of every every door. And okay. there's porticos everywhere. And, like, wraparound porches that wrap around two sides. And then I, I like them because they're very um, unsymmetrical but still balanced at the same time. Asymmetrical, not unsymmetrical. <laughs> they're usually painted in three different colors on the outside. And they have, like spindles and lots of gingerbread work and lots of lots of crap all over them i do like them and i love the interior of queen anne victorians okay so that's his house so after that Mm -hmm. um i want to skip to his first chapter Mm -hmm. because it's a dual point of view so in adam's first chapter uh, we find out he gave Callie the nickname Pip for mm-hmm. Pippi Longstockings. Because when she was 10 or so, she was obsessed with him. Yeah. And you get a glimpse into Adam's thoughts, and it shows us that he always knew that she had a crush on him, but the age gap was inappropriate at at their age then. Yeah, he was eight. He was a senior. He was 18 when she was 14. Yeah. And uh, what was I going to say? So in this chapter, we hear him talk about her pretty features, like her eyes and her li- her lips and her the things that he finds sexy about her. Mm-hmm. He mentions those things. And he doesn't her curvy see hips, her... butt, oh, and boobs. <laughs> That's <laughs> what he sees. And which are under all those frumpy layers, because he knows they're under there. Yeah. And he mentions how he's in the pullout room in the next, in the pullout couch in the next room mm-hmm. and staying there to be close to Callie, but made an excuse that it was easier for her mom. Because he lived in the area, so why would he stay? Man, I really butchered that. <laughs> he has a house, I don't know, 20 minutes away. He has this giant queen and victorian yeah why would he stay 20 there? minutes away and he claims that it's because and the author made it a good she didn't butcher this and i'll no, give her no, i butchered no, this. no 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 I'm, but i'm saying <laughs> this is something that could have been really hastily like it's weird but she made it work because she gave the mom 
the mom is pretty is, is pretty nuts about Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, and you know, everybody has a holiday that's like really that they're really into, and I think it's all the holidays for her mom, but especially Thanksgiving. And so she plans these, she plans events for days. And there's cooking constantly, and there's family. She wants the that house. Sound like? Your mom. Yeah. She wants the house filled with humans, and I think. And that's that's where I wrote. I took notes. Like it was. He made an excuse to stay there mm-hmm. because he said it's easier for your mom, and she likes a full house, mm-hmm. which is totally believable to me, because that's how my mom was. Is. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time. Like, what guy would say, oh, sure, I'd love to go apple picking at 6 o'clock in the morning the day before Thanksgiving. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I might as well sleep over so we can get an early start at those apples. <laughs> like, nobody would say that. No. Except. Except if he wants. If he he's got some ulterior motives. Right. He wants to be close to Callie because mm. it's the first time he's seeing her in six years. In six years. Because so, he isn't. He doesn't go to their house for Christmas or any of the other holidays that she has come home for, which is also sort of weird. Like, if he wanted to see her so bad, like, why didn't he come home for Christmas last year? Like, or come over for Christmas? Yeah. Anyway, you're not supposed to question that. No. This is, a, like, a short, short book. <laughs> I didn't think of it ever. Don't put too much thought into it. This is, see, this is where I create my own angst. When there's not enough. Yeah. You, know. <laughs> you did want to talk about that. I, yeah. This is a fluffy book and it's, I, most people love fluffy books. I especially do. when the world is like going to hell in a handbasket. They want soft, fluffy, low angst. I don't. I'd rather have the angst because I know... Because then I do the opposite. I create fluff out of an angsty book. Like if there's so much angst and the person's like, oh, I just can't get into this relationship because I have my ethics or whatever. I'm like, no, just just read it. Fuck your ethics. Just get into the relationship. Like, what's the problem? And then when they just get into the relationship, I'm like, no, but your weird ethics. (laughs) So Well. Speaking of apple picking, let's go to that part. Uh-huh. They're going to the orchard, and uh, Adam volunteers to have Callie ride with him. But who decides, no, I'm going to ride with Adam? Amy. Her shitbag cousin, Amy. Yeah, I hate Fuck Amy. face Amy. I kept writing down, <laughs> fuck face Amy. I hate her so much. Uh, and Callie's mom shuts that down. She's like, no, you're riding with me. I need to talk to you about your parents. Yeah. And right there, I was like, mm, that's a good mom move. Yeah. I, that's when I started thinking, mom's in on this. Yes. Which is also weird to me, and it, it's also very fluffy. Because this book wouldn't have worked if the mom wasn't in on it. So the mom conveniently put Adam in the room next to Callie. Mm-hmm. The mom orchestrates a lot of things. She does. And but yeah, in the beginning, she's this toxic, positive uh, to me. To me, she's okay. She's this toxic. I just see her as meddling. Just uh, just being a mom. 
I don't think it's toxic. No, no, no. It's not the meddlingness that I think is toxic. It's the fact that she, she's one of those people that's just constantly busy, mm-hmm. and those people drive me insane. I don't. Which you are now. I hate it. <laughs> but just because I'm constantly busy, I'm not going to make your life a living hell and make you constantly busy too. No, but I'm volunteering and... to be more busy to help you. No, I I know, but I'm just saying, like, her mom doesn't have to be constantly busy. She just enjoys being constantly busy. And those same people are those are the kind of people that are like, the you know, the, let's get a move on and overly just everything is sunshine and daisies and everything's a motivational speech. And just, just let me have my bing bong moment. Like an inside out. Let sadness be the hero for a little bit. Calm down. We don't need to be this busy. Like, I know this is very obscure references. She's moving her hands a lot right now. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think anybody gets my, my bing bong reference, but that's okay. Bing bong, bing bong. All right, so let's go back to Amy and okay. how Adam... Mm, doesn't really fall for it. <laughs> what is? Do you remember what he says? I don't remember if he said something. Uh, Chastising. I think he, he just... does. He says that um, the the reason Amy in the car he tells her this. Oh, oh. The oh. reason Amy does that is because she sees Callie as a threat. Yeah. And it's because uh, Amy is. Uh, she's pretty shitty. <laughs> Amy and, and Callie she, had she's, a... She's just pretty, but she's vapid and dumb, is what he says. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Um. Yeah, and this is a revelation to Callie, because Callie just thought that this Amy, her cousin Amy, um, just picked on her her whole life. And it's not just picking. Amy is, like, mean. And... She only ever says anything. She only, she tries to bring up everything negative. What are you looking at? I'm trying to read my notes. <laughs> you're, you're you're making me just so distracted. I can't read my own handwriting. All right. So he he tells her that at the at the on the way to Apple Orchard, mm-hmm. or no, on the way home from the Apple Orchard, he tells her that. But what happens at the apple orchard? She wants to go off mm-hmm. and just pick, pick her, her apples. apples. So she finds like a far away row and she starts picking apples. And her bag is halfway halfway filled and another bag drops right next to hers. And she looks up and it's Adam. And he totally says... Totally Adam. He's, I got this one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Adam in a total Han Solo move (laughs) says don't you he says I want to give you something you've been thinking about since you were a teenager and he kisses her like a good kiss yeah like a buttercup and Wesley kiss do 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 so and 
naturally, this happens, and she runs away. Yeah. And she hides in her parents' car. Cause, yeah. And she's she's intent like she's content with riding home with her parents. But the car she... the car door opens and it's Adam. Because mm-hmm. he's not letting her get away that easily. Yeah. So he comes up with a good reason why she did that. Like, oh, she just needed to get out of the sun or something, or she just needed to take a break and my car was locked. When her mom opens the door and finds the two talking inside the minivan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we do have a little bit of angst because she gets kissed by the guy that she's been pining after for a long time. And he's, I mean, w- if that happens, I would imagine this hasn't happened to me, but <laughs> you would imagine that like. It'd be weird. And he, it's like you don't trust that he's not playing a joke on you somehow. Like when you proposed to me. <laughs> like I really thought it was a joke. Like, well, I can't say yes because then I'm vulnerable to this whatever. <laughs> You're on candid camera. <laughs> and I, yeah, so I know, I know how she's feeling after all. All right. So they're in the car. He tells her all this shit about Amy that she's... A piece of shit, basically. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, be careful because sh- mean girls, I mean, don't they get mean because they're some sort of trauma? Or are some girls just mean? I think some people are just mean. Yeah, I think Amy falls in that. Let's not give Amy any credit. Yeah. So well, all you have to know about Amy is that she's she's mean. Yeah. She comes and, up with just the nastiest things to say. And slutty. I think. Uh, yeah, but we don't really call people that anymore. Why? Because it's fine to be a slut. Oh, okay. Good for her then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so time fast forward to the middle of the night where Callie needs to sleep so she can help her mom make breakfast at 5 o'clock in the morning because that's what her mom does. And Callie is awakened by Adam mm-hmm. who gives her the most intense pleasure she has probably felt in her entire life yes <laughs> yes that's all you have <laughs> they fall asleep together only for Callie to discover he went back to his bed at some point mm-hmm. which is a common theme anytime they're hooking up mm-hmm. and of course she does what you people do <laughs> best us anxiety riddled females yeah Jump but, to conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> about how she's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at that. Every single time. Yeah. Her reptilian brain. Well, that's the went case. To, went to what? I just, I guess I'm just not good enough. A- after he tells her how awesome she is every time. Well, it is kind of weird. Like, he falls, they fall asleep next to each other. She wakes up and he's, like, moved to the couch. They're not, a, they're not even sleeping for that many hours at night for him to. No. And nobody's looking for them. They're so, not. And the mom wants this to happen. Right. So, um, what else is she supposed to think? That is, that's a weird thing to do. I guess she could think. Like he's trying, he's trying to create some distance, which is really what she is thinking. She, 
okay, he goes down on me, and then he it makes it very clear that he's trying to create distance between them. <laughs> That's true. So obviously, he's just like at this point, it's that just makes a sense. Hookup. But like, like yeah, like it continues to happen. This point, I, I mm-hmm. can understand her thinking that, mm-hmm. but toward like the three quarter part when he does when stuff happens yeah at that point it's it's ridiculous uh it's kind of like yeah. aggravating yeah and not the not the not on the writer on the like the the character's aggravating i think that's the point yeah so the next then they wake up the next thing is thanksgiving dinner it's a huge thing like we you'd seen a movie mm-hmm. huge thanksgiving dinner and after that, they go to the annual football game at the soccer field that they play. The like the boys. Yeah, they pl- they play, play. I'm guessing touch or flag football. Mm-hmm. And her and her mom are talking, and her mom basically tells her she knows what's going on. And my favorite quote is from her mom. Okay. You look at that boy. Like you had a sweet tooth and he held the keys to your candy store. (laughs) (laughs) That just, that doesn't seem like a Massachusetts person would say that. That's someone from the South would say that. Yeah. So, well, okay. Maybe a posh person from Massachusetts. Maybe. My family from Massachusetts would be like, Hmm. you like them? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It probably, probably a little. I don't know what they would Ride say. Nizka. Right. <laughs> but the yeah, this is where the mom pretty much tells her she knows what's going on, yeah. and she needs to go for it. I she'll am, regret it. I hope I am as cool as that mom. Me too. Not the toxic positive part. Not the insane, making everybody have a whole Thanksgiving weekend part but like if somebody needs to be like if Hank needs to be talked into making a move on a on a girl like I hope I'm cool enough to talk him into doing that I think I would be but he thinks we're, we're he and I are getting married <laughs> so he's never gonna make a move on anybody no he's already engaged to me no he will he doesn't know what it means. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he did tell me that when you kiss, you're supposed to move your head like this. <laughs> yeah. Where's he? What is he watching? Everything we watch, he's always around. That's true. He watches Hallmark a lot during the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at the football game is where... Also, one of my favorite parts is where Callie all finally, finally stands up to Amy. And mm-hmm. after that, we don't hear from Amy ever again in the book. Oh, we don't? Mm-mm. Okay. So, so another guy named Matt comes and starts flirting with Callie a little bit. And then uh, not too long after, like a few, like a half a minute later, mm-hmm. Adam comes in and marks his territory, puts and- his arm around her and... Changes the subject, and it's it's not toxic in any way. No, 
And it's it's nice for her because it totally lets them lets her know that they're together. This isn't just you don't do that in front of somebody's family if it's just a fling, mm-hmm. especially if it's a fling with a very close family friend. Yes. Like if that it was totally outing their their secret relationship. Yeah, it did. But who comes but fuckface Amy? Yeah. And says, "Oh, it's really cute how Adam has has such like a big brother yeah, feeling. He, he for has you. that big brothery thing with you, and yeah. she has had enough. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, well, she lets Amy have it. One thing also I like about this this scene, and I highlighted it, and I might have highlighted it for a reason other than what I'm going to talk about." But um, when she's talking to the mom, she's telling the mom, well, but what if it's just this weekend? Oh, she says, why bother, though? Our lives are in different places. Her life in D.C. is nothing. She has no life in but D.C. That's, but that's why my synopsis, I said she's independent, but underachieving. It's just yeah. she's just surviving there. Right. She's existing. She has no friends. Her job sucks. She hates her life there. That hence her potato chip binges. Like she she doesn't have enough of a life to like to grasp onto that rope that Adam is clearly throwing to her. But they um Jessica does address this. Yeah, she does. She says like when Adam like tells Callie over and over like you're a creature of habit the only reason you're there is because it's a habit yeah and you and your dad like to play it safe mm-hmm. and you have a safe job right now but then she but loses then she them. doesn't yeah which we'll get into so but she asks her mom like so you're telling me to let it happen even if all I get is this holiday weekend and she says I'm not telling you anything Cal I'm just <laughs> suggesting that perhaps you stop listening to your head for a couple of days yeah. So that's, that's the great whole, advice. It's yeah, and it's the whole point of this book. So if you're if you're if you want to know how this book is, that's the line that tells mm-hmm. you how this book is. Sometimes that was you very, gotta my, say very literary synopsis right there. <laughs> this is how the book is. Sometimes you gotta say what the fuck. Risky business. Okay. <laughs> I haven't I've seen parts of that like when I was in high school. I don't remember it. All right. Well, back to Callie standing up to Amy. So Amy comes up and says, it's it's great how he, uh, and with the big brother thing, mm-hmm. has for her so cute. Cal, his, I'm going to read exactly what I wrote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Callie having enough says, oh, yeah, bitch, do big brothers go down on you? Because Adam totally did. Then with the mic drop... Callie tells Amy to grow up. We're not in high school anymore and walks away. And that's it. And we yeah. never hear from Amy again. Hmm. <laughs> I thought she made one last move. Did she? I don't know. I don't remember now. I think my timing is off. It doesn't no, matter. No, she though. did. She did try to make a move at Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. where the mom put Callie and Adam next to each other and Amy tried to sit next to Adam. Yeah. And I wrote down, she got shut down like Lundquist in the playoffs. 
sure everybody knows what that means. Doesn't matter. You laughed. <laughs> this is a conversation you and I are having and everyone else gets to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's go to the first like sex scene. Okay. The going down on scene? No. Oh, the penetrative sex scene. Yeah. The okay. second. No, I have second sex scene. Okay, good. I do have second sex. Is oral sex is sex? Yes. Well, it's in the dream house. I know. Um, They were tasked to bring grandpa ba- uh, back home and run to the grocery store for some stuff. Mm-hmm. So they have time to kill. So Well, he- no, he like, he just, he snatches her away. They, they, well, they have a couple hours free that are not, that's not in the itinerary. But okay. Yeah. So, like I said, it's an old Queen Anne, Callie's dream home. Like, this specific house is her dream house. Yeah. Like, she's always wanted this house that yeah. Adam bought. Yeah. And everything she loves in the house, especially has a library. Mm-hmm. Adam, she's in the, his bedroom looking out. Like an alcove thing, like a bu- bump out window where she's envisioning herself. Bay window. Reading books, looking mm-hmm. at the snow. Yeah. And they begin to talk about the house until Adam changes subjects. And he want to how he always wanted to visit Callie in college, but didn't because she figured she was beating guys off with a stick. Yeah, and she would have forgotten about him. And by she would have forgot it. And that's exactly right. She and he would have forgot it, but she didn't forget about him. And this leads to making out, then a BJ, and then they did it. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't wear underwear, which is that's that, gross. Like, is that a especially is that a hot thing, or is like that's just that's gross. Mm, the underwear exists for like a reason. The, the amount of time that he spends getting erections around her, like. There would be seepage uh, on his pants. And, like, he always wears slacks. Yeah. Like, they're soft pants with lots of room in their face. <laughs> like, I... Like... So, he's, like, walking around with the tent all the time. <laughs> I just, you know... You know, I'm creating my own angst again. Yeah. Just put some undies on, Adam. Uh, after a blissful afternoon delight, the phone rings while they're snuggled. It's none other than fuckface Amy. <laughs> we don't hear the other end of it, but Adam isn't happy. They go home, and Adam doesn't pursue Callie any further, which leads to her to jump to conclusions. Just he's I, not just not the dinner because he's she's leaving for DC the next day. You know what though? He lets her leave, and he doesn't even say goodbye. Like, that's not that far of a leap that she's jumping to. Okay, so I, I guess this is a good conversation to be having here. I'd be drowning my sorrows in ice cream, too. <laughs> so, Callie has a dilemma. Mm-hmm. She's got two hours to her flight, and it's just enough time to do with Adam one more time. So, after the sexy party. <laughs> oh, I forgot. He, oh, I forgot. He does say goodbye. Yeah, he has a sexy party. At br- at he wakes bre- her up two hours uh-huh. early to, yeah. Uh, at breakfast, Adam tells her he's also coming for Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. And she wonders if Adam, she wonders if Adam sees her as a holiday booty call now because he never comes <laughs> home for Christmas. Jump to conclusions again. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, rightfully so in this case. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like her. He so doesn't like her that he slips a bag of chips in her suitcase for her to discover when she gets home. Yeah, that was really nice. <laughs> so then Adam's point of view mm-hmm. is uh, him and Corey are playing racquetball. Mm-hmm. And he's mopey and depressed. And since she left. And mm-hmm. Corey asks if it's about Callie leaving. It's been a week. Yeah. And... And he's re- and Corey shows that he knows that they they love each other. Mm-hmm. He sees it. He sanctions the relationship. He does. Corey goes on about how he knew the whole time, along with mom. Mm-hmm. And Corey also points out to Adam he could have bought any house, but he bought her dream home, a fixer upper that he didn't have time to fix up. Yeah, and Adam, I guess, wasn't aware that he was doing that for her. It was so subconscious. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's you know, how deep his love was. Uh, Corey also informs Adam that when she got home, she was laid off. Yeah. And offered to stay back home at her parents' house. Adam knows Callie will play it safe and take any job in D.C. DC that she can get to keep her habits. So, mm-hmm. got on this horse and could go get her. Yeah. That's cool. He, I love what he did. I love his, and he also knew that she loves Charlotte Bronte and she loves Jane Austen and Thomas Hardy. And she, if anybody wants a grand gesture, it would be Callie. And if anyone deserves and would appreciate a grand gesture, it's her. So he needs a grand gesture. Yes. So his grand gesture is he packs his little BMW filled with moving boxes and brings them to her apartment along with a suitcase for him and decides that she's moving and and i love it because again it's not he's taking over and making decisions for her but it's in a it's described it's such uh, he's such a partner he's he's being her partner he's not he knows she can't make that decision on her own he knows that he's doing the right thing. He's it's not a toxic move. It's uh <sighs> Well, I said it didn't feel right like when he was there like to mm-hmm. pack her up, like it should have been her decision, but she wouldn't have chose that and she needed it, to cho- choose to go back home. It felt right to me because all he did was say here are the boxes. Yep. I know you're going to choose wrong, so please let me make the decision yeah. for us. And she did. She relented. It's not like he was throwing her crap in a box and like dragging her out. It's Yeah, by her hair. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's Well, he he showed up. He said he loves her. He said, "You know, I have these moving boxes here if you want to put them to good use and have packing party." Well, that was the big thing. He he got her a job at a publishing company. No, oh, yeah. he got her an interview, but she was going to get that job. Um, yeah. He he professes his love for her, mm-hmm. and he tells her all the things he knows about her, why he loves her, which is everything. Yeah, because he's known her forever and loved her forever. And then she says she loves him back. Yeah. And he they... just, like, he lifts up all of her barriers. Yes. Like, this is, like, the most incredible fantasy anyone could possibly have. Like... 
I'm going to lift up, remove every barrier in your path for having the most amazing life of love and like career happiness and your ideal home and everything that you that's love why, to But do that's why it's fluffy. World. Yeah, I liked I liked that. That's that why aspect. it's fluffy. Yeah. And then that was the last chapter and then the epilogue is was kind of cool because it was like in different time periods what yeah the epilogue it jumped through time a little bit i thought it was i thought it just jumped to the next year Mm -mm. oh uh so the epilogue is in adam's point of view no it's a dual point of view Mm. okay uh callie slowly moves into his house that's the one month. That's right. She starts slowly okay. moving into his house. And she does that by whenever she finishes a, a new book. She puts she it in puts it his on library. His yep. Yeah. And then one year later is the next Thanksgiving. And her life is just fucking kicking it. <sighs> yeah. She's awesome. She's killing it. And Adam proposes. Yeah. That's so nice that he proposed on Thanksgiving. Yeah. It, well, he had to. Come on. Yeah. All right. So that's the book. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we talked a lot about it, but you still need to read it because it's very well written. Yeah, it's a, and it's, it's a great. There's not that many Thanksgiving romances. There's and not. I picked this because it sounded cute, and, and it was, and it was a Thanksgiving romance. And it's not like, yeah, we had a lot to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's a really good if you want a fluffy piece it to was. read. Before and Thanksgiving. we left a lot of things out that you're gonna need to know. Yeah. So you need to read this book. So what was your initial reaction? Because mine was, I loved it immediately. Um, I, I loved, yeah, I did too. I loved the voice of the author. It was written in such a way that it was, it was just clear. It was, you know, some so much storytelling gets bogged down in these writerly sentences, and there's none of that. And, um. I guess it I would just, be corny to say it felt like I was having a conversation with the author because that's what it felt like. Like she told a great story. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Like the simplicity of the voice. And it's just. Um, uh, yeah. She created believable characters that were, you know, right out of the gate. You knew who they were and they weren't overdone. No. Excellent. Yeah. What did or did not work for you? We're going to get into something here. What yeah. didn't work for me. And okay. you're going to explain it to me. And you dis- you explained to me the phenomenon in rom romance writing called the magic penis. Okay. And you have issues with it as well. Mm-hmm. So my issue with the magic penis is uh, these guys just keep pumping and pumping and pumping. And the girls have a bunch of orgasms. Mm-hmm. And on their fifth orgasm, he finally has one. Uh, I just find it hard to believe. Okay. The magic penis is there's that, that he, that they meet the love of their life. And all of a sudden they have an amazing sex life with no work, no communication, no sexual communication. They just, they just are so magical together. Yes. So there's that aspect of the magic penis. And then the other thing, which is more the more commonly used phrase, is that you have 
I don't know, a virgin, if it's a historical, a virgin female character or a traumatic, like an abused female character or a female character that's never had an orgasm or, you know, just something, some woman that hasn't experienced a, an amazing sex life. And then this guy comes along the hero of the story and he just happens to have a penis that's just so perfect for her yeah (laughs) that she like with with no further communication or therapy or it's just a pro other stimulation she can have amazing orgasm asms and like multiple times and you have an issue with that i have an issue with that because to me, I would consider that not the magic penis, but the magic clitoris. Yeah. Because, okay, so in all these romance books, the modern ones anyway, not and not every one. No. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of male-male romance that's not a thing, obviously, either, because there's no clitoris in the male-male romance. But in a lot of these books, there's this progression of sex, and it goes like... He goes down on her. She goes down on him. Like, he stops her. And then they have penetrative sex. And it's just like the be-all, end-all of her existence. And she has a million orgasms and, like, with penetration and nothing else that's stimulating her clitoris. Because her clitoris is just so close or, like, so deeply set. Like... Or in a, in the perfect proximity to her vagina, that his magic penis, yeah, like can stimulate her clitoris, and just in any position she has, like she can come. And I don't think that that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know for some people because. Every woman is different, but I get so like sad when I read these scenes because it's like, you know what? I want that to happen to me. Like that is like the hugest fantasy element to these romance novels for me. Like I get to the sex and it's just like, it would just be so nice to like not have to work to like have an orgasm. Like, to not have to take turns and to not have to, like, do all this extra stuff. To just, like, have sex and, like, and it's amazing. And because my anatomy happens to, like, be a certain way. Yeah. And I think, well, that's why I appreciate erotic romance sometimes. Because they do, like, stimulate each other in other ways. But it's a shame that you have to read about it in, like, erotica, which is, like, these people are so hypersexual and having so much sex that it's, like, well, we need, we need more. Not just, you know, two normal people. Not normal. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Two, well, I mean, I do mean, like, heteronormative people. Yeah. In a monogamous relationship that, 
I don't know. I don't even know. Like, like the, I don't know. It just, it, it makes me sad. Yeah. Like the magic penis, magic clitoris. It makes me sad. So. So, well, when you write books, change it. Well, yeah, my first sex scene in my the book that I'm writing is very different from anything I've read. And, you know, I haven't read most of the millions of romance books yeah. that are out there, so, <laughs> so I'm you, sure. So from what you read, not what's out there. So <laughs> I'm sure there's something out there that's right. more along what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. All right. So which character did you relate to the most and what connected them with you? I didn't really relate to anybody. I, I, I think more blending in this one. Uh, okay. Like, I I saw Callie, myself and Callie, waiting mm-hmm. for the other shoe to drop. Because mm-hmm. that's m- you do that a my, lot. like, I don't know if it's a flaw, but that's a big anxiety for me is waiting for the shoe to drop. That's like a personality staple of yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, I guess I saw myself with an Adam too. Mm-hmm. Just because, I don't yeah, know. Because he's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't see myself in Callie. She's a little bit too neurotic. Mm-hmm. I for, thought that too. Like, I didn't see you in her. No. I mean, I'm a geek and I like Jane Austen, but n- no. I mean, a ton of book lovers love Jane Austen. That's not... That's yeah, we we all like that. <laughs> I mean it's like we all like breathing air. Alright, do you wanna do the if it was a movie who would play them? I don't know. Uh, I didn't picture anybody. Um Who would you cast as Callie? They they didn't really give a Zoe dis- Deutsch. Who is that? She's she's gonna be my go to. She was in Set It Up. The Netflix romance that I really like a lot with the two office assistants who set up their bosses and end up falling in love themselves. I think she's the perfect rom-com actress. I think she's adorable and down to earth and um, funny. I'll go with that. Yeah. And for Adam? Anyone? Anyone. Yeah. I I picture him darker. Like your complexion, your your dark hair color, but clean shaven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I just don't picture I think I was thrown off by the description of him wearing slacks. <laughs> which I was like, okay, and then I when I think of slacks, I think of either a man in his 50s or <sighs> Okay. So when when guys when younger guys wear suits and they're not well fitting and they either have like pleated i yeah i picture pleated front polyester polyester <laughs> slacks and i know he's probably they're probably not like yeah. she's jessica was probably imagining like great fitting pair of pants on this guy. And I just, the word slacks implies like a guy that wears a suit two sizes too big. Like kind of white trash. Like 
Yeah, I didn't get that from him, though. No, I don't get the white trash. Just like he dresses white trash, I think. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know how you I got all that. I think he's a lawyer, but... Yeah, I don't no. know how you got all that. Okay, so, like, when white trash people, like, have to go to a funeral and they buy a suit real quick from, like, Walmart and... <laughs> And it comes with a pair of slacks. That's just. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, And with that. No, no, we can't end on that. Oh, yeah, we can. Oh, yeah, we can. (laughs) Uh, Well, what did you want to end on? I have nothing else. I don't know. Let's talk about what we're going to do next. We are going to watch Four Christmases. Well, I know that. But our listeners don't. I'm, I just told them we're watching because there's really no Thanksgiving movies. No, we watched the one. We there watched... are there's planes, trains, and automobiles, but I don't. That's think not a that... rom. That doesn't fit our I know. genre. That's what I was saying. I'm not. I'm, I was. Yeah. Duh. I was agreeing with you <laughs> and lamenting the fact there are no romance Thanksgiving movies. Yeah, there's just. I mean, there's. There's the Nora Ephron and Nora Ephron. Yeah. Like, You've Got Mail also has a Thanksgiving scene. But we already covered that on this podcast. We did. We sure did. And there's probably something obscure out there that I don't know of. But I've looked at every Google article about what to watch this Thanksgiving. So we are going to watch Four Christmases because it's one of our favorite movies, I think. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You quote it all the time. I sure do. I think about it all the time i don't quote anything really but oh i quote vince vaughn movies all the time yeah i love that guy uh yeah so and it made more sense because i feel like thanksgiving you rush around more than you do on christmas mm-hmm. actually we did anyway because christmas you can like you can spend if you're married mm-hmm. you can spend christmas eve with one family and christmas day with the other family yeah. So it kind of splits it up nicely that way. Yeah. Thanksgiving, it's one shot. And yeah, or you can try to eat twice and get stuffed yeah. both times on the same meal, just cooked different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Thanksgiving used to be my big holiday, I think. And now it is again for the sake of we don't live near any family. And now it's COVID times, so yeah, we can't it's just travel. Us again. Uh, so. And people can't see us, can't come travel to us. Yeah. Um. What were we going to say? I I wasn't going to say anything. Um. <laughs> yeah. So Thanksgiving was Thanksgiving has always been kind of weird since since my dad left our family because we just sort of stopped. That was his holiday, like, to spend with his parents. And we just, it was like my mom and I, and we didn't want to cook a turkey for us, so we made appetizers. So we had appetizer feasts and invited, like, we were the the odd people that invited friends over before Friendsgiving was a thing. Yeah and i'd rather have steak at thanksgiving yeah and like in college (laughs) i think i never went home for thanksgiving so i cooked thanksgiving meals for all my friends and didn't go home yeah that's nice yeah that is nice well i remember one year i made polenta with 
gorgonzola cheese, and it was the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten. I was going to say, that doesn't sound good. It tasted like vomit. (laughs) Don't ever eat polenta with gorgonzola cheese. Okay. That's a good advice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. With that. words. With that, that's all we have for you this time. Uh, Remember, leave us a five-star review and a... And a nice rating. We need to put that at the beginning. Yeah. And follow us on social media. Follow us on social media. Specifically Instagram because that's the only place we are. Yeah. <laughs> but really, uh, give us a five-star uh, rating and a review. And it really helps boost the algorithm for us. And we can get more people can listen to us. Yeah. Have our conversation. <laughs> our rambling conversations. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.